Hey there, Heritage family. I want to welcome all of you who made it out to our Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses. I also want to welcome our Kiwani brothers out of the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. Also want to greet those tuning in from home. And I especially want to welcome those tuning in at KWQC, Cozy TV, Channel 6.3. Welcome. Really glad you're willing to lean in with us today. We, we're a church that's passionate about helping people connect to God, to each other, and to their purpose. And we are privileged to do that in so many ways. And I'm glad that we have a few moments to lean in with you today, especially after a bit of the week we've had as a nation and as a world. <laughs> I hope you have taken time to read and understand the realities around coronavirus and COVID-19, that you, you know how to respond and not simply react. There's legitimate health issues related to these realities, but there are also very essential things we can do to take precautions, washing hands, not touching our faces, uh, sanitizing key contact points, cleaning things like our phones, and quite honestly, some of you should clean your phones even if there wasn't a pandemic that we're facing because you take those things in questionable places like the bathroom, just saying. But in all seriousness, we are facing a legitimate health dynamic and we want to be a people who respond and not just react. We want to be a people who choose faith over fear. There's an opportunity in the conversation that we're facing as a nation to choose faith over fear. There's a lot of great information that's out there about what is happening in our world and what we can do to respond, but there's also some misinformation out there. And I just want to encourage you to be careful. There, there, let me just say, there's no reason to drink any elixirs containing silver. Please don't do that. There is no reason to fight over toilet paper. Please don't do that. There, there is also really no reason to give money through anybody who calls you on the phone and says they're from the government, from the World Health Organization. Don't, don't fall for those scams. I just want to encourage you to be wise, to be wise, to be intentional and careful and, and, and be faithful to God in the season. Be faithful to the community that you know as, as family and friends and relationships and be faithful to yourself in, in taking proper steps to be careful and intentional. It's, it's going to be fine. We're facing sickness, illness. Uh, we are facing loss of lots of different ways and levels, but it will be fine. And I encourage you, if you don't feel comfortable understanding what we're in and what, even what we're doing as a church, how we're responding, I want to encourage you to get online at heritageqc.com and under the coronavirus tab, just click that thing, that update tab, and, and you'll find a couple of documents, things we've communicated some helpful resources that just will allow you to be someone who's positioned to respond and not simply react. We'll update that. We'll continue to add information into that space. But as a people, as we seek to respond and not react, as we seek to choose faith over fear, we're going to lean into this next season with confidence. Now, I will say this. Uh, I am, I'm nearly 50 years old and with nearly 50 years of experience. Are you surprised I'm nearly 50? I cut off all the evidence every week. With that many years of experience, I have faced some firsts this week. Some firsts. Maybe you have as well. So just, just things I've never experienced before. One is the reality of a pandemic that has cancellation of events and schools closing and, and organizations closing and just creating space and distance. That's a first for me. That's, that's significant. Um, I've also faced just the reality of, of a first just simply around seeing toilet paper become a more valuable commodity than food. That's just a little bit weird. But there's also the ability to, be, to have a first that's kind of simple, and you may think it's silly, but to be able to say no to a handshake and give a, an elbow bump 
or to give an air five or to do a little tap with your foot. You know, we want to be people who are, are positioned to navigate this well and to be people who aren't reacting but responding. And I hope as you lean into this, you find a place where fear doesn't take over, but you intentionally lay hold of faith. Because it's in that space that we can navigate all kinds of things. This has been a week of first, but it's also a week of faith if we're willing to choose faith over fear. Now, I also understand as we kind of navigate this that there's a bit of a reaction component I'm talking about, that in the reaction can be fear. I get all that, and, and I understand how it works. Because if I'm like right now, if I'm just right now, I freak out, and then I run over here, you're going to react. So you can't help but react to me acting that out. And some of you who only see a screen are going, where did he go? Where, where did he go? And the reality is we can't help but react sometimes to the reactions of others. But if we're going to be a people who follow God, we're actually best positioned to respond and not react. And one of the ways we get equipped to respond to all kinds of things is in Scripture where we study the instruction manual that God gave us, the, his love letter to us. It's full of truth. It's full of encouragement. It's full of wise counsel that's relevant in all kinds of dynamics. We can find hope and peace in it. We can find scripture that's just immediately relevant for the day. Let me just read one to you. Uh, this is specifically out of James 4. I want you to just listen in to me. This isn't anywhere written anywhere. I just want you to listen. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's good. That, that, that's great, it's good, it, it's, it's essential to lean into scripture. But let's just keep reading. For the next part says, wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, listen, seriously, uh, I'm, I'm joking a little bit there. But we do want to wash our hands. But I actually want to give you a scripture that's different because I think it's relevant to sitting in a space where we're not fearful. This is Psalm 91. Not in your note guides. If you're tracking along, I just want to put it up here on the screen. Just listen in and lean. I hope you sit in this scripture today, Psalm 91, just the first six verses. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Rest. Some of us need rest after this week. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Amen. Let's keep reading in. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. This is choosing faith over fear. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. <laughs> this is good. This is a good reminder in the midst of all kinds of complexity. You know, I don't know who you are or what you know of God or what you've done in relationship to him, but I want you to know he loves you. He loves your kids. He loves your family, he loves your friends, he loves your coworkers. And in a season of great complexity, we can find ourselves tempted to react rather than to respond. But I wanna encourage you to not let the world press in and, and as you process the, the difficulties of what we're in in this season that can challenge our willingness to lay hold of what we just read, that, that there is shelter in the most high. And not to let fear take over, but to let faith be the guide to be someone who comes near to God because when we come near to him, he comes near to us. When we, you draw near to him, he draws near to you, even in a pandemic. 
But that requires a choice. And the good news is we all have the same choice. We can make the choice to draw near to him. Our, our lives are made and taken shape by the choices we make. Our stories are written by all kinds of choices. We make a lot of choices. But primarily and most significantly in our choices, what we do with God and how we respond to others are most significant. We do make a lot of different choices, many of them important, but when it comes to what is most important, the two that hit the top are how we interact with God, the choices around him and how we interact with people around us. They are the most significant choices we make and we can choose to react or we can choose to respond. We can choose to believe or we can choose to doubt. We can choose to draw near or not. We can choose to rest in the strength of his shelter or ours. And we can choose to lay hold of faith instead of fear. And my friends in this season, I pray you do that. Because it's simply choosing to focus on our creator ahead of our circumstances. Ahead of things that we can't necessarily control. It's really choosing who over what. And his presence that shelters, his presence that protects is very real. His love is real. He takes broken lives and wants to heal them. He takes lost things and wants to lead them home. He seeks to bring light into darkness. He wants to bring refreshing to the deepest, driest parts of your soul. And it's his presence that satisfies. He longs to restore you and me by his presence. And I hope in this season you know that because you find proximity to him as you rest in his shadow as you draw near to him and experience his power, a power that can heal. Healing power comes through his presence. Now, with all that said, we, we as a church family have conversations each week that lead us to draw close to God. And, and as we begin a new conversation called a better word, we recognize that words have power. But no words have been more impactful than the words of Jesus. The, the words of Jesus calmed storms, healed sick people, changed immediately dynamics for the better, brought peace into conflict. And whatever you're facing in this life today and now, Jesus offers a better word, especially a better word than fear, a, a place of peace. And this better word conversation that we as a church are starting today, it is because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection that he offers us a better word. He offers us an opportunity to step into more in life. He offers us an opportunity to move from something broken to something new. He offers us the word worthy instead of worthless. He offers us the word life instead of death. He offers us a better word. And as we begin the conversation, I want to frame it not only as it relates to the things we're experiencing in our world, but also how it simply relates to understanding who he is and how we respond to him. See, what we're ultimately talking about, not only with the dynamic in our nation today and even as we look at a better word, we're talking about choosing faith over fear. And it is a choice. We, we get to decide if we're going to choose faith or going to choose fear. Fear leads us into panic and worry and stress. Faith leads us into a place of peace and expectancy. It even leads us into places of healing. When we're willing to trust and we're willing to wait and we're willing to obey, well, then we, we don't have to step into worry. We don't have to step into stress. We don't have to step into places where we simply react. 
And in a dynamic, in a world that wants to push fear into us with an opportunity to choose faith, we have a space where we can simply choose to be faithful. You and I can choose to be faithful in any dynamic, whether we're tempted to fear or whether we're intentionally trying to choose faith. We can be faithful. And hear me, faithfulness is demonstrated in moments, but it's defined over a lifetime. So every day we face the opportunity to be faithful, to choose faith over fear, even if we're tempted to be fearful, even if we experience fear in life. And the difference between leaning down here and leaning up here is understanding that when we choose faith, we're choosing a who as our focus. When we choose to lean into fear, we are choosing a what? We're choosing circumstances. And this difference, this distinction positions us to say, I want to be a person who chooses faith, so I'm going to choose to believe in him who is a shelter, him who gives us not a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. I'm going to choose to focus on him as a who rather than the what in my life first. And when we do that, everything changes. And the opportunity that we have, no matter who we are, is to choose faith over fear. Now, I want to see how this plays out in a specific interaction that Jesus had with his disciples and a few others. Because this dynamic of faith is really being willing to, to believe even when we can't see. To be faithful even in complexity. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, fourth book of the New Testament, John chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to throw the scriptures up here on the screen. But also, if you want to get online at heritageqc.com, you can go to the watch tab and download a note guide. The note guide just has scriptures, a couple of key teaching points and information that you can track along with us if you like. This document is also in that coronavirus update file. I just threw it in there so you could access it there as well if you couldn't find it anywhere else. But let's just take a moment to lean into understanding a bit more that each of us are positioned to lean in closer with Jesus, that we can walk a deeper, more intimate faith, and that we can be a person who chooses faith over fear no matter what we're experiencing when we focus on him first. So let's lean into this. This is John chapter 9. This is a dynamic where Jesus and his disciples are kind of walking along and they see a man who's blind from birth and the disciples choose to have this conversation about why is this man blind? Was it his sin? Was it the sin of his parents? And Jesus says, look, it was neither. <laughs> You're not looking at this the right way. He says, it was neither. This is, this is so that the power of God, the healing power of God can be revealed in his life. And this is where we're picking it up. So this is Jesus interacting with this gentleman. Verse 6 of John chapter 9. Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So he's giving him some actions, some instructions. But the problem is the instructions he's giving to him are actually breaking some religious rules of the day. That's going to become pretty important later because of a group of people called Pharisees. We'll get back to that in a second. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Probably the best day of his life at this point. It was like, woo, woo, hoo, hoo, man, I can see. I can't even begin to imagine. He's born blind, never seen anything ever before. And now he can see. Great day for him. When he bumps into his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar, they ask each other, isn't, isn't this, this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he, he, just, looks, he just looks like him. <laughs> this is a weird moment. Like, he's not him. No, it is him. 
And I, in a way, it's kind of funny, but in a way, it had to be frustrating. In fact, the, the beggar responds. He says, no, yes, I am the one. In verse 10, they ask, well, who healed you? What, what happened? In verse 11, he told them the man they call Jesus. And if you're someone who highlights things and circles things, I encourage you to highlight and underline the man. That's key. It was the man they called Jesus who made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Now, what we just read is the beginning of an incredibly dynamic and convoluted situation that at times is funny, but at times also tragic. But it's important to understand the whole thing captures this incremental spiritual development of a man. The man who was a blind beggar. It is his journey towards great faith and it can help you and I understand how to be a people who live by great faith as well. See, if we read through the Bible, lots of people came to Jesus at different points along the journey. And every so often though, every so often he would approach somebody on his own. He would go to them, and in this case, that's what was happening in this exchange. This unnamed beggar, this unnamed man who perhaps he's not named so they could honor HIPAA rules and things like that, but probably not. See, he encountered, this unnamed man encountered an unidentified, nameless Jesus. Yet it didn't seem to bother him that he didn't know who it was. I don't know if it was because he was so desperate enough to do whatever anybody asked him to do, or if it was just the beginning, the prompting, the burgeoning of a faith in the man they call Jesus. See, he, he goes and he washes. But I want you to think about this word that he uses when he says the man. Because when he's describing Jesus, it, it, he couldn't be more generic. The, the word literally means human being, male or female. It, it, the only distinction is to separate humans from, from animals and plants. It is, it is the most generic word used to describe the person who brought him into this incredible moment of healing. And even though he actually doesn't know where he went, it doesn't really understand who he was, he goes in the moment and he experiences healing. He chose faith and belief at some level over any fear he might have had in that moment. And the choice that Jesus had to use mud it was not a magic mud. It wasn't even the equivalent of some healing elixir. It was actually the thing, the space that created the dynamic for the man to choose a who over a what. To really choose a place of faith over fear. Yet, as I already mentioned to you, this is the Sabbath. This is a place of breaking a couple of rules by instruction. And that will be a problem. It's almost like there's this dun 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 moment that these rules were broken. Because the religious leaders, the Pharisees, these dudes were, were guys who led from the law. They led with fear. They, they administered punishment. And, and they were people who trusted in their own ability to earn righteousness to God, their, their ability to earn favor with God. And when they hear about a violation of the rules, they couldn't see the miracle. And they begin an investigation. If you were to continue to read down through the scripture, you'll see that they actually do this investigation where they interview the man who was healed twice. First time, they talked to him about what happened in breaking a rule on the Sabbath. The second time, they talked to him about this man, this man that led him to be healed. And they have this really crazy interaction with his parents as well. So let's just drop down into that for a moment. This is John 9, verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man. This is the second interview. 
who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. A what? A prophet. Circle that, underline that, highlight that. That's significant. That's different than just the man. That's different. The Jewish leaders, verse 18, still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now, uh, and could now see. So they called in his parents. <laughs> they asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? Verse 20, his parents replied, well, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he is old enough to speak for himself. Now, they're punting. And they're punting because of what we read next in verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Oh boy, so the plot's thickening right here at this moment with a little bit of hilarious conversation, but again, also some ridiculous conversation because his parents feel stuck in this moment. They're punting on answering the question because they don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. They don't want to be expelled. They don't want to be banned. And they're redirecting the answer because fear is winning out in their world. Fear won in their world and their choices position them to step away from their son. It's a complicated dynamic, but in that space, it actually reminds me, their choices remind me of a simple reality that, that we find out what we want our beliefs to be when we're in reflection, but we find out what our beliefs actually are under pressure. And in this dynamic, these folks, their, their beliefs are actually coming out under the pressure they face, and they embrace fear. And you and I can do the same thing. When we face complexity, we face sickness, the pressure of those dynamics can reveal what we really believe. Yet in the same pressure, if not more pressure, their son, the man healed, is moving deeper in faith. He calls Jesus a prophet. That's different than the man. He, he actually is speaking of someone who is called by God, given the spirit of God to speak truth, to speak to the people, to declare truth. But... Again, there's a debate that takes place between the Pharisees and the man. They want to call Jesus a sinner. They want to call Jesus not of God. But by the time we keep reading through this story, when you get to verse 33, this man who has been healed says that Jesus is from God. And when he chooses to take that step of belief and declaration, to, to own that he believes that, he immediately moves himself to being expelled from the synagogue. He's kicked out. He is banned. And in this time, in this date, when somebody was banned from the synagogue, it meant that they were kicked out of their church family. They were kicked out of their community. And no one in their community could talk to them, speak to them, couldn't render aid or comfort to them. It was severe. It was significant. So in this particular dynamic, this man who gains his sight in probably one of the greatest moments of his life to that point now loses his community. Presumably, apparently even his parents as well. It is incredible complexity where he could have been tempted to embrace fear instead of faith. But he chooses to focus on a who, not a what. You know, as a church family, we live in community together. And we've been walking a conversation as a church, recognizing that we are more together as a church. We're intentionally taking steps as a church family to love and restore and imagine more in our cities and beyond. 
And out of that conversation, we as a church family have leaned into a season of declaring individually how God's inviting each one of us to step into loving, restoring, and imagining more. And over the next few weeks, we're continuing to walk that conversation. And if you're someone who calls Heritage Home that hasn't leaned into that conversation yet, you want to get some more information, or if you're just checking things out today, I encourage you to go to moretogetherqc.com and just kind of kick around in the site to understand how God is positioning us as a people who are more together to lean into loving, restoring, and imagining more. We are more together as a church family, no doubt. Even though our government in this season is saying it's probably better for spending a little bit of time away from one another once in a while. Aside from a pandemic environment, biblically, we are more together than apart. We're not made to do life alone. And in this season, if you find yourself in isolation because you're trying to set up healthy boundaries in this season, if you feel like you're alone, you feel like you're struggling, you would like someone to pray for you, I encourage you to use the Heritage website, heritageqc.com, and scroll down to the bottom of any page and let us know how we can pray for you. You're not alone. We want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you navigate this season where you can not just survive it, but you can thrive in it as a person who draws near to God and experiences him drawing near to you. There's an opportunity for us in this season as we take care of ourselves, to position ourselves, to look for ways to take care of others. And one of the ways we can do that is pray for one another. And I encourage you to consider how you in your own sphere of influence can look into spaces of fear and be a person who faithfully invests so that others can choose faith as well. There are challenges ahead of us, but there is also space to learn and grow. In that coronavirus update space on our webpage, you'll find some things that are helpful. One is an article that I encourage you to read. It's something that my wife Beth wrote that is about taking power back from this thing that has, seems to have so much power and understanding the power we have because of our identity in Jesus and the power we have to be people who can lean back. People who have been given not a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. There's messages from our heritage journey that you can lean in and find encouragement to, but that's a great space for you to lean in, whether you're checking heritage out for the first time today or leaning in along in a journey where you're looking for somebody to walk with you. We wanna do that with you. But let's get back to the story of this blind beggar who is healed and back into the interaction because he's found his sight, but he's lost his community. And when Jesus finds out, <laughs> he wants to do something about it. Here's what happens. This is verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, that he had been banned, expelled. He found the man and asked specifically, do you believe in the son of man? And he's talking about himself when he said that. And by having this conversation, he's breaking the rules of the ban itself, which is very interesting to me. Verse 36, the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. Keeping in mind, this man had never seen Jesus until this moment right here. He had heard his voice. He had followed his instructions. But now he actually sees him and Jesus says, you have seen him and he is speaking to you. And in verse 38, yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. I'd encourage you to circle and underline Lord. <laughs> what did he call him here in this moment? Oh, it changes everything. From the man to a prophet to from God in verse 33 to actually declaring him Lord. The, the, the final and greatest step of faith is to profess Jesus as Lord, and that's exactly what he does. He says, you're my master. 
You're the one who decides in my life. You're the one who has authority in my life. You're the one that I give honor and reverence to. You have control. You are my Lord and my master. It's a beautiful move from man, prophet, from God to Lord. And that journey is a journey that we can all walk. And when we get to the point to declare him Lord, everything changes. Because one of the fundamental realities is how we respond to Jesus determines how he responds to us. How you and I respond to Jesus determines how he responds to us. Now hear me, I'm not saying how you and I respond to Jesus determines how he loves us. Don't confuse that. He loves you just the way, he, he loves you more, he can't love you, love you any more or any less. He loves you fully now. You can't earn more love, you can't lose his love. But there is a direct relationship to how we respond to him. That what we do in our lives can actually position him so that he can do more in our life, he can facilitate something better in our life or not. How we respond to him determines how he responds to us. Whether we're willing to follow his instructions, whether we're willing to sit under his authority and identify him as Lord, it all shapes what he can and can't do in our lives. It doesn't change his love. It changes his ability to bring his power to bear in our lives. Let me just give you an example of this. If the man who was blind had not gone and washed his eyes, do you think he would have been healed? I don't think so. It wasn't about the mud. It wasn't about the washing. It was about his willingness to be faithful and respond to Jesus with faithfulness and obedience. Every time we are faithful to God, he responds with his faithfulness to us. And how we respond to him determines how he responds to us. Belief, obedience, faithfulness are all positioning us to live into a better word dynamic with Jesus if we choose faith over fear. And that faith component is really something we don't always get to see all the details, but when we choose to focus on the who, we can still live into it. There's a man by the name of Oswald Chambers who, who says something that I just continually go back to as a reminder for me, that faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. When we step into a posture of choosing faith, we may not be able to see everything. We may not have all the details, but we can sit in a posture of loving and trusting and obeying the one who is leading us. And that's where we can step into a place of thriving and not just surviving in life. Jesus himself, he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. No matter who you are in life, there is a space to step into thriving. There is a space to step into life. There's a space to step into a better word through Jesus. If you're willing to step and lean in faith and faithfulness, in obedience and trust, in the midst of a world where we face challenges, in the midst of a world where we face health issues and concerns, in the midst of a world that wants to drift towards reacting and embracing fear, in the midst of all of that, Jesus is the source of hope and peace. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in a fearful world, we need a fearless people. We need a fearless church. And I wanna encourage you to be a people who choose to focus on him over what you experience so that faith, faith sits above fear, even in the midst of complexity. And when we choose wisely, we choose obediently, we choose faithfully, that's where we walk in fullness of life. 
There may be temptation to just talk about ideas like the disciples talked about this man's suffering rather than to lean in. But the most faithful thing we can do is to care and walk in faithfulness. Faithfulness that leads to God's glory as we step in obedience and trust because he responds to our faithfulness with his. In fact, whenever God chooses to heal, it's always for our good and for his glory. Whenever God moves to heal, it's always for our good and for his glory. He, he, he heals. He still heals. He, he may do it now. He may do it later. He may do it in the way you expect. He may do it some way you'd never expect it. But whenever he chooses to heal, it is always for our good and for his glory. And it's not always even just about us. It's about others. And when he steps in a space where he gives his power, it is for his glory, for his purpose. And in the exchange for Jesus and the disciples and this blind man, there was an opportunity that it was for the good of that beggar, but it was for the glory of God as well. And our good and his glory rests at the heart of when he heals and how he heals. But he still heals. We can facilitate that, or we can stand in the way of that by our choices. So let me offer a final question for you and I to consider this week as we process the scripture. Where do faith and faithfulness need to converge for something better? In your life today, where does faith and faithfulness need to converge for something better? God still heals. He heals physically, emotionally, relationally, when we choose faith over fear. So where does faith and faithfulness need to intersect in your life? For the Pharisees and the parents, it never really happened for them, as far as we know out of Scripture. And that was kind of messed up. But for the, for the man who was healed, even though he faced losing everything, his willingness to let faith and faithfulness line up in his life led to something that was life-changing. It led to healing. It led to hope. It actually changed everything. And I again want to remind you what we read at the very beginning around in Psalm 91 that simply says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Faith and faithfulness position us in his shadow. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Today, you and I face an opportunity to be a people who can look at Jesus and call him a man who did cool things, acknowledge he did cool things, and even look at him as someone that we can get from or get things done alongside. That's one step of faith. But if you want to experience the fullness of his power, you have to move past to being able to identify him as a prophet, as one from God to know that he is someone to be listened to. He is someone to be followed. And that is yet another step of deepening of faith that leads to his power. But if you want to experience the fullness of who he is, you want to experience healing in your life, that, that unprecedented dynamic of his power in his life, in your life, you, you have to acknowledge him as Lord. When you're willing to acknowledge him as Lord and kneel before him in worship, nothing in your life will ever be the same again. It's by his power in accordance with his plan that when we choose faithfulness and faith, even when tempted to fear, that things that can only be explained by his hand happen. And as you process this conversation, you process specifically where faith and faithfulness need to converge for something better. 
I encourage you to consider how you view Jesus today. And if you're ready to acknowledge him as Lord, maybe for the first time or once again, I wanna point out three things that allow you to do that. Admit you need Jesus to rescue. Admit you need him to experience life and life to the full. But then ask God to forgive your sins through Jesus. We've all made mistakes, but when we ask God to forgive through Jesus, he's faithful to do it. And third, receive Jesus as savior and acknowledge him as Lord. These three things allow us to move from people who get stuck in fear to being people who embrace faith over fear, who focus on a who and not let the what define our dynamic, but it's a choice. And my prayer for you today is that you will choose to acknowledge him as Lord and experience the fullness of life and the purpose that he has for you where faith and faithfulness intersect. I wanna take a moment to pray. And maybe in that space, you'll have your own conversation with God, have your own conversation with Jesus, where perhaps you do these three things. And if you do, we'd love to know. Let us know online, send us a little note. We'd love to celebrate with you. Put a couple of resources in your hand as well. But let's just take a moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of love, you're a God of power and might, that under your shadow, there is shelter that we can abide in proximity to you, that when we draw close to you, you, you draw close to us. And I pray that as we choose to respond to you and not react to the world, as we choose to draw near to your son, that you will respond to us, that he will respond, that you will pour out power, you will pour out wisdom, you will pour out peace in any complexity we face. And in the dynamic that we sit, that we would allow faith and faithfulness to intersect in our lives so that there is something better. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's a relational healing. Maybe it's a change in a dynamic in our world where we've been stuck and not free. Whatever that is, Lord, may the intersection of faith and faithfulness in our lives as we focus on you, Jesus, lead us into that better dynamic that you call us to because you offer us a better word. And we acknowledge you as Lord today. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen.